Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing and all of our other podcasts over at blisterreview.com. Today, we are back with another installment of our Reviewing the Reviewer series, where we ask various Blister reviewers questions about their backgrounds and gear preferences to give you a more complete picture of the people behind our reviews. And since we like to rank and review things around here, we will be scoring each of our reviewers' answers to come up with a definitive grade and rating of their entire personhood. So yes, the stakes are high, and in the hot seat today is Kristen Sinnott, who comes up with some surprising answers that involve things like family feud and ski dance videos, and we talk a bit about her skiing and Nordic skiing background, and there's a story that involves killer bees, in addition to then, of course, talking about some of her gear preferences. And with that, let's get to our conversation with my good friend, Kristen Sinnott. Here we go. Kristen Sinnott, it's you and me. We've been circling around this for quite some time. We've actually rescheduled this several times, and now it can be avoided no longer. It is time for your reviewing the reviewer conversation. Yep. Fun facts here. We were supposed to do this in headquarters. I think it was actually on the 4th of July, but we ended up talking about a whole bunch of other things and there's some scheming and some things that we're working on that are actually very cool and exciting. Hopefully we can be sharing those with our audience sometime in the near future. But anyway, we then ran out of time and had to go meet up with your husband, Pat, and some other people. And so... Like my son, that other person. Oh yeah, your, other, your son. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about your son. And uh, so we're not together at the moment, which I know is probably sad for you. So sad. <laughs> but here we are. Especially since the cows are at your house now. It is true. I do have cows in my backyard now, and I couldn't be happier about the whole thing, to be honest. Thanks for throwing, it, throwing in random tidbits that aren't going to make any sense to anybody. Jesus, you're bad at this. Oh, yeah, inside. Sorry. That's why I've been avoiding it. I thought I'd get better with age, but I haven't. The other fun thing to point out is... Um, you were really, really hoping that Luke Coppa was going to be in yes. <laughs> on this conversation <laughs> because, to quote you, I wanted to have the nice one there for the conversation. So, one, I thought that was funny, and two, I'm offended. I'm also offended by that. But three, where is he? Uh, I told him we didn't need his services today. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. He's doing other important things. And oh. then I, I didn't want him, you know, to get in the way of any potential meanness that might come. So it was, you know, I figured it would make it less comfortable for you, which would probably make it funnier for me. So, you know. So my understanding is this is a point system. So I should That's automatically right. get like some bonus points because I'm at a disadvantage already because Luke is not present. No, that's not really how we, that's not how we really view it. Well, this is, this is new territory. So I think you need to consider this. No. It is true that we are assigning a grade to like your personhood. So this isn't just about like who's a better or worse reviewer. This is like you are now going to be judged for like the next 45 minutes. So we just want to be clear about this. No pressure. 
Okay, so I just want to be clear. I'm only being judged for 45 minutes, not after this and any future day. <laughs> Normally when I judge you, I don't assign like a score, okay. you know, in real time. So it's different in that respect. Okay. The thing you have going for you is I believe I currently am in last place. I think I have the lowest score. A lot of that was due to, you know, you have Sam Shaheen to thank for that. But still, it's probably going to be hard for you to come in with a lower score than I got. So you have that going for you. First question. It's a multi-part question, but we want to have you talk about your background. So let's go with the thing that you love to talk about all the time. Where did you grow up? I grew up in northern New Hampshire in a little town called Littleton, uh, above the notch uh, near Cannon Mountain. So great, great childhood. Cannon Mountain. Do you care to tell us again about how Cannon is like the greatest ski area in the world for all time? I, I don't think I've ever said it's the greatest ski area in the whole world, but I do oh. really appreciate it. It's state owned, which is really unique. Uh, so there's no big development at the bottom or it's a tough mountain. It's right in the notch. So snow comes, the wind blows it off. Um, there's a lot of ice there, a lot of moisture. So a lot of, a lot of blue ice. Um, like the lifties are state employees. So I go back now and it's the same guy that was in the booth at the top of the, in the lift shack at the top from 30 years ago. And he's still waving at every single person. I was like, I think he knows me, but I'm not sure because he's just so friendly. <laughs> and they used to give me candy when we get on the lifts at the bottom. Like it, how can you not like a mountain where they give the kids candy? Turns out I'm coming early with a compliment to you. So you're welcome. But one of the things I like most about you is that on the like fair weather skier spectrum, you are definitely on the far end of like, I don't really care what the conditions are like. Like you just are always psyched to be skiing. And so that definitely has been a kind of defining element of our time skiing together for the past decade. But it's also one of the things I like most about you is that like you're just psyched to be on the mountain always. And it sounds like we might have Canon and your background and experience at Canon to thank for some of this. Is that fair? It's very fair. I think this <laughs> East Coast skiing in general will harden you to, to any type of conditions. Like Powder Day growing up was crusted over on the top with powder underneath and it hit hurt your shin so it's like those weren't the days you wanted to go necessarily but we skied in rain or garbage bags too in the rain and yeah it was yeah i like sliding around on snow so when did you first start alpine skiing uh i think when i was two or three i don't i don't remember two or three yeah pretty pretty young okay what other sports were you into Field hockey. I was big into field hockey. That wasn't starting until like fifth grade or something like that. Um, softball, same thing. Went from like t-ball all the way up through high school and that. Loved swimming, but otherwise we, we never, our town doesn't have an indoor pool. So it would just be in the summer. We'd be swimming outside in the lakes and pools and stuff. So not swim team or anything, but. Okay. So what's kind of the competitive sports history like from elementary school on through was it not so much of that or yeah so it was a really a small town so I was able to do four sports um through from middle school all the way up to high school on the high school team so alpine nordic softball and field hockey and when going to college like 
I almost preferred field hockey to skiing of any sort. So I almost, but I wasn't as good at field hockey as I was at Nordic skiing. So I didn't pursue that any further, but yeah, I really, I really like field hockey. <laughs> we have to, we have to unpack some of this. One, I don't think I knew you played field hockey. It's probably because I'm too busy making fun of you to ask about like what other sports you were into. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tell yeah. me about field hockey. Why did you like it so much? I don't know. I like the team aspect. Um, just it, I always enjoyed driving the ball and running around uh, a lot of sprints. I had pretty good endurance for it. So was on the field the whole time midfield, just sprinting up and down. Yeah, just it was really just a fun sport. Can't really pinpoint exactly why we got to play in skirts. I don't know. That was kind of fun. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Maybe the worst, maybe the worst defensive field hockey I've ever heard. But so <laughs> no, right, I, this... I like the. I think the biggest thing was a team sport aspect of it. We had a really good group of girls, and it was fun. We had rivalries with the local or the other high schools and stuff, and just, yeah, it's a good group. Played all summer um, in town league and stuff like that. So, all right, we have to have the like Nordic skiing conversation because you, you and Pat actually your husband, are kind of the constant buzz in my ear about Nordic and like to just make sure that I'm not totally forgetting about, you know, the Nordic side of skiing and the rest. So talk to me a little bit about your involvement in the Nordo world. Okay, so I guess I was introduced to Nordic skiing and like the touring style when I was really young. My parents, uh, we have this like old farm, so we would go out and roast hot dogs and marshmallows in the backfield in the winter. Um, but then I didn't do that for a very long time. And um, freshman year in high school, I was stick thin, like couldn't find a GS suit that was tight. I'd actually wear sweatpants underneath. So I didn't <laughs> didn't have a whole lot of muscle or anything. Uh, and they, the Alpine team at that point was not really doing dry land, but our Nordic team was huge. I my class, my grade in, at my high school had 70 people in it, right? And that was about the same for every grade. And the Nordic ski team had 60 people on it. Had a fantastic coach, Fred Griffin, and he just motivated people to do a lot of running, a lot of circuits, and it was just really fun. And there was a thing called being a Ski Meister Award, too, which has always been in New Hampshire. We were in a division where uh, we did not have ski jumping, I don't know if they still do this, but um, some schools have ski jumping as part of the Ski Meister. And for us, it was just Nordic and Alpine. So I was like, oh, I might as well race with them too. And turns out I was better at endurance than I was at really enjoying the speed and smashing gates. So I eventually switched over from full Alpine program to full Nordic and just did Alpine in high school sports, not on USSA after that. So, so yeah, junior and senior year, I was on like US or sophomore through senior year was competing in Nordic skiing heavily. Sophomore through senior year of high school, you were competing in Nordic skiing heavily. Yeah. I mean, I did, I raced uh, freshman year too, but I had just learned how to skate ski and, and really Nordic ski. So, but. So were you like, were you good? I mean, I know you're, pre you actually are pretty modest. This is your second compliment. You're a pretty modest person. Well, it, I mean, it's all relative, right? Like I'm in a small school, class M. So I won. What is class M? 
I've never even heard. So of it. it, I think it was like small, medium, large, extra, <laughs> something like that. Like we were, we were one of the small schools. Again, we had what, uh, 250 people in our high school. So there's a lot of these small schools around and yeah. So I, I won States for Nordic skiing. Our team won States like six out of seven years or something like that. Our team was just really good. Really a lot of good athletes on it. Um, and then for all high schools, I think I, not private cause then you have public and private New Hampshire, but I think I got like third or something my senior year hmm. for that. So look at you. I made junior nationals, but I mean, again, it's all relative. So biggest takeaway from that story is I like the fact that apparently the New Hampshire high school system is based on the McDonald's food sizing of sodas. That's what I learned today, but state champion of class medium. Yes. Non-ski jumping division schools. There's all these things. So there's a lot of caveats here. Yeah, just the takeaway from this should be that New Hampshire has a nice history of skiing in high school sports. Like other, like in the West, like where my husband grew up, he, they don't have high school uh, ski team. They would have just the weekend or the club teams. But it, So I was on the high school ski team freshman year to senior year, and then I skied for Holderness School on the weekends. Um, so there's multiple teams you're on, which is kind of fun. This is another definite staple of my relationship with you over the years is you just sometimes mystifying and sometimes demystifying the whole New England scene to me. So I always, you're, you're good. Third compliment. You're useful in that regard. So that's why I keep you around. Okay, so I should be just... racking up the points right now, right? Mm, I don't know. This is a multi-part. This is only question one. So this is uh, there's a lot of facets to this. So I'm going to, that was pretty good. I'm going to give you like a seven. I think you got a seven for that. What did I lack in that? I think I deserve at least an eight. No, seven. It's a seven. We'll give you a 7.5 because you were a state champion of some heavily caveated non-ski jumping size medium school. So... 7.5. Let's move on to college. So you went to University of New Hampshire and you went there uh, hopefully to learn something, but also to Nordic ski. Yeah. Yeah. For both of those. I wanted to continue a sport in college. And when I was going to school, um, I don't want to date myself too much, but most of the division one ski teams had a lot of uh, Europeans on them. They were bringing in folks with to compete and it was really would have been hard to get on those teams. Uh, UNH was the size I wanted about 11,000 students and had a ski team that seemed really fun and somewhat competitive. So yeah, ended up at UNH undeclared in the college of engineering and physical science. Well, so that was my next question. Like what exactly did you study? You just said what school or program you were in, but what did you, what did you actually study? A short story on this. Uh, the freshman year, all the undeclareds have to take a class that shows you every single major within your college. So they went through, you know, mechanical engineering and geology. Hydrology was combined. I was like, ooh, I like math. I like water. I'll do hydrology. So I decided on that thinking, because I, I really like water. And I was like, oh, that'd be fun to have a career that's centered around water. Uh, turns out, it's usually the lack thereof that I'm studying um, once I left New England. So not as ideal as I expected it to be. But yeah, so I ended up with a degree in hydrology with uh, myself and one other girl graduated with a BS in hydrology 
the year I graduated. So it was a very small program. <laughs> this was size S for small. Yeah. Uh, this uh, class. Ex- extra excess. Ex- excess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How did your collegiate Nordic career go? And like, what was like your best event? I I was more of a skate skier than a classic skier. I think I just never was psyched on figuring out wax that much for, for classic skiing. And my coach was like, okay, I want you to gain weight for this next season. So get these skis. And I never gained that weight. So I had a harder time flexing them. So my race skis weren't necessarily ideal for me. Not that I'm like asterisking why I didn't do well, because that wouldn't have been the issue. But um, yeah, it was fun. So skiing in college, only six people can compete, six men, six women. And then the top three count towards the points. And in the East Coast, it's um, carnival system. So you travel to different schools every year or every weekend for a Friday, Saturday competition. So it was a super fun way to go to school, basically, and fun to compete, fun to meet all these folks from, you know, your own ski team to all the other teams. It's very social and and healthy for the most part. That's a six. You get a six. Yeah, It's, it's above average. Third question, after college, what was your trajectory? What did you get up to? So after college, kind of just wanted to travel a little bit. So I was with my now husband, Patrick. Um, We went to live with his family for the summer to raise money to go to Australia for three months. So we backpacked around Australia for three months and kind of came home, which interesting story, like we... We never had a September 11th, 2001, because we were in the flight. That's the day we lost when we flew from L.A. to Sydney. So then after that, we kind of dicked around a little bit and then ended up uh, spending time watching the Olympics in Salt Lake and ended up in Sheridan, for Wyoming for six months, uh, Taos for six months. Then I got too tired of the West and we moved to Lake Placid for a while, then Missoula for Pat schooling for a little while, then ended up in Tucson for grad school for me. What were you doing in Lake Placid? Well, so we'd been in Taos for six months because we wanted to try something different than like cowboy country up in Wyoming. And can't come May, I was like, it's way too dry. I need water. Um, so we just moved back to wanted something a little different than where I'd grown up in the East. Um, so just went to Lake Placid. I was a server and Pat worked at a hotel and just explored the area for almost a year. So then get to Tucson, sticking with hydrology for grad school, correct? Yes. Tell me one interesting thing about your time in Tucson. My, I partitioned evapotranspiration was my thesis for my master's degree. What? What? Yeah. (laughs) What'd you just say? Uh, partitioning evapotranspiration. So there's like ways to measure ET, but in order to figure out what part plants versus evaporation that we had to do a bunch, I had to do a bunch of measurements. So we did this out, or I did this out near tombstone. And I had this array of soil lysimeters that I would weigh every morning. So after like a rainfall, so for 60 days straight monsoon season, I would drive from Tucson to tombstone area and weigh, I think it was 20 micro lysimeters and out like pre-dawn I had to be there at 4 a.m I think and just doing those measurements then drive back and wake up the next morning at two or three in the morning do it again right 60 days straight no break um so one day so there's you know scorpions and rattlesnakes and killer bees so I had all the doors open in the van out there by myself and the service isn't really good and I'm 
have my little tripod set up to measure my the weights of the lysimeters and the bees start swarming the car and the tripod so I have my phone I was like all right I'm just gonna go over here and I just called my dad and I was like hey dad just hanging out there's a swarm of killer bees so I'm just over here I'm just gonna let them pass and I was like oh hold on here comes one so I sprinted away from it because apparently this is what I'd learned that if you swatted or killed it, like send off endorphins and they all come towards you. So it's just, you can, a human being can outrun a killer bee, right? The average person. So I was outrunning it. Still talking to my dad because it's super early and he's on the East Coast. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to go back and check. I'll talk to you later. You know, I think everything's good. Well, he understood me to say, I'll call you if it's all good. So he didn't hear back from me for hours and I'm out of service in most of the parts. So he was about ready to call the state police to go figure out where I am thinking I was dead from killer bees. I have mixed emotions about this story because one, you get a lot of points because I like bees and we've got like this bees thing going on a lot of blister podcasts and stuff recently. But you also highlighted one of the things I like least about you, which is unclear communication. So it's tough. I was, you were, you were riding it like an uh, eight for the bees story but then you reminded me, your I, your dad, you were probably unclear with your dad. I assume he had the story right. What if I was clear and I learned how to be unclear from my dad? So he was the one that wasn't clear on it. No. See, even that was unclear, yeah, which is typ- weird, typical sorry. you. So, um, well, I'm still, I'm going to deduct one point. I do like that there were bees involved in that story. So uh, that's a seven. Let's talk about how you first, well, this is kind of two different things, I guess. I was going to say, how did you first get connected with Blister? But I think the question is really the one that I asked Eric Friesen. Do you remember the first time we met? And I would say I do. Would you have if I didn't just tell you this story last weekend? (laughs) No. So um, apparently I'm not good at remembering first meetings. This is something I'm learning about myself because I didn't remember. I couldn't have recalled the first time we met. I remember the occasion, which is the same thing with Eric Friesen. What was that? It was at a, it was at a graduation party or something. Yeah. A mutual friend of ours was getting her PhD. So she had a, had a party and just, it was in the summer, I think. And then we started talking about skis and we were in Santa Fe and there weren't a lot of people that were interested in talking about skis or mountains or snow. So I was very excited about that. Um, Nice. Yeah. See, that's a good one. And it was right before Blister was started. I think you kind of had the idea for it and were really excited to talk about it. That probably checks out. I don't really remember when you, so we, and then, so we were skiing together and that kind of thing. And pretty much, I think we were mostly on the, like, every single weekend. I think that was the program in terms of us all meeting up in Taos and game with you guys on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. We had, um, yeah. Once winter hit, like, uh, my husband and I had a hard time meeting people in Santa Fe until snow would start flying. And then we had this great group up in Taos where we spend the whole weekend and you and a number of other friends. So it was, it was really, really good times. And yeah, started talking skis. I was like, Oh, that's, that's fun. Um, Still struggling just to figure these ones out. So I kind of held off on the whole reviewing bit for a while. Turns out it's a little addicting. <laughs> it's kind of fun to, to become a better skier while also 
evaluating skis. That's good. I like that answer. I'm going to give you an eight because I'm mostly thinking about our the many, 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 many weekends. Then we would just all like our whole crew would just like hang out for sort of a, I don't know, 36 hours, like every single weekend during ski season. For anyone out there to understand what we were doing, it was our friends bought a pretty good sized house up in the ski basin and they had a young child. And I don't think that child understood that adult sleepovers every weekend wasn't a thing for everyone right. else. So yeah, there were probably between four to six of us and Felicia and Alex were such great hosts and we'd have these amazing yep. dinners, amazing breakfasts, like, oh my goodness, skier heaven, really. Yeah. And then I'll just go ski the next two days together. So yep. Oh, were... good old days. We're bringing it back. We're, I, it's part of my grand vision. It's just a slight migration to the north. and it's underway. Next question, why are you so picky about certain foods? This does not seem to be very like New England tough. It's actually, I don't know if it's one of the things I like least about you. It's definitely one of the more annoying things about you. So what's the deal? How did this start? And should I blame you or your parents for this? I don't know. So to be fair, I used to be way pickier than you now know me to be. Oh my God. And you can talk to Pat about that later if you want. But it's interesting because I, uh, I hate I hate talking about it most of the time, but I don't like cilantro. I don't like tomatoes. I don't like onions. Bananas, not a fan. Those those are the big ones. Those are the big ones? Those are the big ones um, okay. that I have not been able to overcome. But I was talking to one of my cousins who I didn't grow up close with, but she was like, oh, I don't like this. It's like, Maybe it's genetic because those are the same things I can't eat. And I've only met family members that have the same um, food issues. Or, I mean, my mom definitely, again, I mentioned that I was skiing with like sweatpants underneath my GS suit. So I just was never that hungry. I mean, I would eat and everything, but it, it was one of those things if I was served something and I didn't really want it, I don't think I, well, until high school, I ate a lot of like pastas and stuff like that in high school, but my mom was really good about making sure there was food I liked to eat. So that might've contributed a little to it, but. Yeah. It's an annoying thing about you. So I'm giving But you I've a... gotten so much better. So. Well. You should just trust me on this. All right. I was going to give you a four. I'll give you a five. Moving on. Let's talk about some of your personal ski preferences. So my biggest thing is I like a ski that I can just jump on and ski it. Like, I don't like to have to figure out what body position if I need to be super aggressive or balanced or whatnot. Um, some of my favorites have been in the Nordica Santa Ana line. Not necessarily the, like, I like the 110, uh, 177 that was fun for, like, Revelstoke, but not my everyday ski. But the uh, new 98 and 93 and the old 93s I really like because they're just... They, they work for me. They're, they get all mountain, um, really fun on groomers, can turn them in the trees. So yeah, so I guess my biggest thing is I just, I like a ski that I don't have to figure out on the first run. It just works for me. Do you, as a rule, do you find yourself gravitating for like inbound skis? Do you like, you know, I kind of like heavier skis as Sam Shaheen kind of likes lighter weight skis as a generalization. Do you have a preference on like the weight part of it? No, and 
I just like something that's going to be stable at speed. I don't want anything flopping around. Um, and to me, that means heavier, but not necessarily with some of these skis. So I don't know. I got on the Renown Earharts, which are pretty lightweight ski, and those have been really fun. So I, yeah, I don't think weight has a lot to do with it. What gear are you most picky about? And what gear are you least picky about? Most picky? I would probably say helmets. Yeah, I wore the Pock Skull X helmet for quite a while. And not it's totally like a racer helmet. And I has no vents, so it gets warm really quickly. So not ideal for all situations. But I really like that the ears are hollow. So it doesn't push up against the ears. And I, I didn't want to buy it because I was like, oh, I look like a little racer wannabe or something um but it was just the most comfortable and i have since started wearing a glade glade helmet and i've really liked that one recently um but yeah for the longest time i think like three or four years the pock skull x was really the only one i would on backcountry trips i'd even bring that which does not back down at all or <laughs> with no soft ears so I'd, I'd say helmet still is kind of my my biggest one yeah, that is not a common answer. So you get, you get, by the way, you got on the le- previous question, you get a five for that. Your ski preferences is all right. It's like right in the middle. Wasn't that interesting. Wasn't that terrible. All right. Let's see how you're doing on this one though. Gear you're least picky about. This is a hard one. Um, climbing skins <laughs> that are cut well. Like I don't really have a necessarily a preference for those. I haven't really been reviewing those either. So that's kind of an easy one. I'd say ski socks, but I got one pair that not marketed to ski socks, but I really don't like, but for those could be another one. I, I could also, Ski socks? Yeah. Like you don't care, and, you don't care about like how thin or how thick ski socks oh, are? Yeah, never mind. I do. This is a bad answer. You're blowing, you, you started <laughs> off strong with the helmet answer okay, and you're cl- really- Climbing skins, I'll stick to that. But I have like, I wear thicker socks for the backcountry because those boots um, are a little, have been a little bigger. So anyway- and thinner ones for Alpine. So, but I don't, as far as thin, I don't care which brand it is as long as they're thin. So it's still not the least picky thing. I guess I'm, I'm pretty picky about. You are including food. I don't know. That was not, that, that answer was like all over the place. I felt like I had to kind of coach you through some of it. So that was like a four. Who is your favorite reviewer at Blister? Well, it's not you. <laughs> That's going to cost you. Or is it person or reviewer? Still not you. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Depends. Is it like to ride the chairlift with, to read the reviews of, to have a beer with? Like what? I asked the question the way I asked the question, which admittedly leaves room for interpretation. So I don't know. Give me an answer and explain it. Oh, it's hard. I don't know. Between you, Luke, and Paul, I'll give that. Even though I've never met Paul, but I'm very excited that he is a kid. And my email <laughs> correspondence with him has been really fun. Um, and I like how chill Luke is on everything. But I'll go with you, Jonathan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that came out of nowhere. Wow. That's not even true. I mean, I, I, I was... Yeah, I I feel like you're very fond of Luke. I like Luke. He's great. He's he's super nice and he would give me like eights on a lot of these, I feel like. Yeah, well, this was such a wishy-washy answer. I'm definitely not giving you an 8. Even though you brought it around out of nowhere, named me, 
but then kind of came back and said it's probably that's not true so i didn't say it wasn't true i'd say that you'd be the the reviewer i'd i most like to have a drink with and watch the oh. cows go to your house yeah you gotta come <laughs> the cows <laughs> to, are great the and cows to beatbox to my son you're, you're pretty good that's at that true too. i am very good with linden mm-hmm. probably because i get to walk away whenever i feel like it and yeah. you guys don't like get after to two do seconds with him or no <laughs> no okay i don't know that's a tough one i'm gonna give you a six on that this next question i actually have no clue with what you're gonna come up with here who is your favorite pro skier so favorite professional skier so i have that alpine racing background and i loved watching my brother even in college and everything race skates and stuff like that so i still Still love watching um, World Cup races. So probably Michaela Schifrin or I loved watching Lindsey Vaughn. And then Bodie Miller was uh, kind of a hometown hero for us. You know, my brother's age and stuff like that. So any race I could watch him in was always great. So those would be my old you school are so, favorites. You, you're losing points for this wishy-washiness, I, just so you win. know. You, I, you should be trying to win. This is a competition about how like our personhoods type of thing. So, okay, all right, so my Bodie favorite Miller, person to watch yeah, for it's a, a professional skier ever would have been Bodie because it was just always on the edge. You were, it was always amazing, his comebacks. Um, you knew he was going to go 100% from the start. So, hands, okay, I'll go straight up Bodie Miller, even though he's been retired for a while. Yeah, um, it's all right. He's, he's been my favorite. Bodie, you grew up in Littleton. Bodie was not in Littleton, but like how, what was, what was his town or how far or near? He grew up in Easton. So about 15 minutes away. Um, and he raced, uh, at Cannon for FSC. And so my brother raced with him. So he'd be around and stuff like that. But then he went on to a private school up in Northern Maine. So he was just kind of in and out. Like I knew his sister a little bit better, but we were, you know, separate schools and stuff like that. So it was just kind of, yeah, we definitely have old videos of him because my dad would always video like some of the better local skiers and my brother and then like compare. And so we were just going through them and it's kind of, kind of funny seeing some of those old, that old footage. Of course, I don't remember half of the kids that were watching these videos of, and they're not good skiing videos, but you know, when they're like eight years old. So could you tell then like this Bodhi guy is going to be He's going places. You know, I was two years younger, so no, I didn't. Um, but yeah, he he had a he had a name for himself. He was fast, and he had his own way of doing things. Which he's yeah, just kind of he's been well known for a while in that valley. All right, I liked that answer. I'm actually going to give you like a eight for that. Wow. But I B. just yeah, you, there's a lot of it's grades worse than a B. Yeah. So okay. you should you should you know keep uh keep it up um what's the stupidest thing you've ever done so <laughs> when when we were living in tucson uh our place only had a swamp cooler which is great until monsoon season hits and it's super humid so adding humidity to your house doesn't actually cool anything so we took to going to the student rec center my husband and i um most days and we'd play racquetball and then swim in their infinity pool, some laps and stuff. Being a cheap New Englander, I found a old set of 
rackets at like Goodwill or something like that. And then the racket balls, I think were from six years before in New Hampshire. So anyway, old gear, whatever. That's my, this is what I'm blaming it on. Cause we were playing and went to hit one off the back wall, like over my head and the ball didn't bounce as high as I anticipated. So I swung the racket fully into my nose mm-hmm. and broke my nose. And <laughs> like definitely broke your nose. Well, they didn't x-ray it cause it was yeah. straight, but the whole like scenario after like it just like I was pull blood was pulling in my hands. And so my husband like took off his t-shirt and gave me his t-shirt and then he ran to the front desk and he brought back whatever they gave him and it was a bandaid and then he ran back and they gave him a CPR mask and then he finally went to like the towel desk and they got me a towel and by this time they had called um, the EMTs or something like that. So they eventually show up 40 minutes later but they like take the yellow caution tape and like go around the entire court and the carpet area outside. And there I was like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like at 45 minutes, like the little cut on my nose was scabbing up and they're like, we'll sit up. And of course, anyway, I lost all the blood and they made me go to the hospital and that, that, that everything was fine. Except for we ended up going to a blockbuster video afterwards and they hadn't cleaned my hands. They kind of cleaned up my face. So my hands are covered in dried blood. Pat's shirt is covered in dried blood. And we're like downtown Tucson at a blockbuster on a Friday night looking for videos. And then after that, like I felt like such an idiot for breaking my own nose. And I had two black eyes and this big fat nose. And so I wore like big glasses. And every time I'd see somebody, I'd kind of have my head down. So it was just like, it was quite a month really. <laughs> of hiding myself. So that that might be up there with the stupidest thing I've done. That's pretty dumb. The other thing I like about that answer is you talked about going to Blockbuster Video, which definitely dates you. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm giving that answer a nine. Oh, uh, sweet. Yeah. The more I get you dated, sound, the... Because you sound super old now. I am um, younger than you. Let's not forget. You already gave me the answer, so you can't go back. Okay. Um, speaking of blood... Um, and stupid things, arguably, uh, you were there skiing with me the day I broke my neck in the back country. Unfortunately, as you reminded me the other day, you weren't on our like podcast recap of those events. Cause you and Pat had to head back to the East coast. You know, that was quite a little experience I think for all of us, but I figured I would ask what was your favorite memory of that whole episode or the funniest memory of that whole episode? Oh, I have a few favorites. Um, One was when we're, so you hopped in our car and Patrick and I, no, before, uh, before we started, because we're like, well, what are we going to ski? Because we were initially going to ski the east side of Independence Pass, um, but we drove around and we found some like little couloirs more and, so you hopped in to scout it out. And while we're in the car, you're like, oh, and by the way, it's my birthday. I was like, what? We had, hmm. None of us had any idea because we're that good of friends that it was your birthday. Because <laughs> you didn't mention anything. And I was kind of irritated because I like bringing cake to birthday uh. events. And I could have had a good reason to bring cake. But we didn't have cake. Um, and my other favorite is, well, just the whole group was fantastic. And then yeah. walking up and then... You guys were all so good to line up, and we did a dance video at the top beforehand. Some of us were in jorts. 
Some of us were fully gear testing and not us. I didn't, I was in shorts. Um, so those were my favorite, favorite members. And that first one was so good too. I mean, th- I think we all got down to the bottom. We're like, yes, we definitely want to do that again. It was amazing. So then watching you almost die was um, not my favorite. Cause you like went over like, we're like, oh, he's going to stop. He's going to stop. Nope. He's going faster. He's going faster. He's Oh shit. And you're like headed for the rock and then you fly off this rock and then we can't see you for, you know, a split second. But then you come out 50 yards below unconscious ragdolling into the snow. And so, yeah, that was not a highlight at all. Not, not psyched about that part. Okay. Yeah. But the way everybody kind of bonded together and you were a pain in the ass. Yeah. Once you were awake and stopped asking the same questions over and over, Uh, you were very adamant about not wanting certain medical care. And (laughs) all your good friends were very, like, patient and loving with you. And everybody, it was really, it was a good, like, having that group in the backcountry was crucial. Um, And so it it all worked out eventually just... um, like schlepping skis and getting you down without injuring you further. So it was, it was quite an experience that I'm glad we're all alive and mostly functional. Just think if I had died that day, I couldn't be grilling you right now. So that really would have been a big loss, you know, for on everybody's behalf. So So you're trying to make me appreciate this. Yeah. (laughs) You're, you're, you numerical grading system of me because you're alive and I should be happy that you are judging me. Yes, that's well put. Very well put. Great. So we'll give you an, an eight for that answer. What are you better at than Sam Shaheen? Well, the obvious one would be nursing. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but I'll go further back and I'll say being a mom. And if you want to be sports specific, I would say I would guess I'm better at Nordic skiing than Sam. I'm, you're not going to get a very high answer for those. Those seem kind of obvious. So do you have, oh, it, it, yeah, do you have obvious. any? Okay. Well, so I know Sam at least was in a Tinder. I haven't talked to him recently if he's in a relationship, so I don't want to put that out there. But uh-huh. <laughs> I, I haven't <laughs> been uh, in a relationship before there was anything such as Tinder, right? I mm-hmm. never got to swipe left or right. But uh-huh. when we were picking a baby name, there's an app that you can swipe left or right and it pairs with your significant other. So Pat had it on his phone. And so oh, we wow. go through it separately and they would tell you which one's matched. And granted, we didn't get Lyndon's name off this, but it was really fun. And I'm really good at swiping left or right fast. So maybe I'm better at that than Sam. <laughs> wow. What a, what's, what's the name of this app? It's like baby names or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, that checks out. Okay. I mean, if somebody like Googled baby name Tinder app or something like that. Baby name it. Tinder I, baby names. Or like swipe. Yeah, it's some kind of, I don't know. This is two years, three years ago. So. Wow. I just tried to find it for um, my sister-in-law, but I couldn't come up with a name quickly. So that's why I can't help you with it. Well, that answer turned from boring and obvious to like, it took us on a ride that I did not know where that was going at any point. So uh, I'm going to give that a seven. Um, Now, here's something that you and I have talked very little about over the course of our friendship, 
so I'm I don't know what you're gonna say here either. But you know, the next question is top three favorite books, movies, and or musicians. So yeah, I'm not really good at knowing favorites on on things. Um That sounds awfully similar to you being like, I don't really watch movies or read books or listen to music. So I this I'm concerned about your answer here. Okay. So And also why I don't know after all these years what band or films or books you are actually into. That's like a weird thing to me. Okay, we'll start with music. I am terrible at knowing uh the names of artists. I don't listen to a ton of music. One so, like artists I do like I, I was really big into the Beatles and I still love listening to most of their like a lot of their songs. I actually wrote a I think a junior paper at junior in high school about the Beatles and love them. Can I can I read it? <laughs> I think it's long been burned. Okay. Cuz that was when we still printed things on paper too. Um Cuz you're so old. Yeah, thanks. Again, not as old as you. Uh <laughs> So, I also love like Paul Simon, um Avid Brothers, those would probably be some of my top ones. Um, my son's getting into Bob Marley, which is really fun. So yeah, it's just I don't, there aren't really any that I necessarily obsess with and at the moment. Okay. So. okay, so what about books or movies? So movies, I'm not a big fan of rewatching movies, so I don't necessarily have a favorite. Um, if I was to name a favorite, it would be Better Off Dead. It's one I do own and I... It's the only movie I can quote, which the only quote is $2. I want my $2, which has got to be the easiest movie quote ever, right? Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of lame on that answer, too. And for- I don't know. Better Off Dead is a solid answer. Don't submarine your answers. I'm trying to help you through this. But anyway. Doing reverse psychology, where I say it's bad, mm. and you try to bounce ah. me up. Okay, so books. Uh, I am a big fan of historical fiction. So like the Outlander series I got hooked on. I haven't watched the shows or anything like that, but I really like the Outlander series. Ken Follett, all his historical fiction, uh, like Pillars of the Earth, um, that James Michener really liked his. So yeah, that's kind of not a favorite, but it's a genre that I really, really like. So Historical fiction. Mm-hmm. And better off dead, but no music. Because- I just gave you a bunch of like the Beatles and Ava. And- Seven. I was going to throw in a question of uh, name the top three times you've been the most mad at me, but I thought that might just take us into a dark turn. So I was like, maybe. (laughs) Um, Okay, instead, we're going to go with give us a random review. I'm going to talk about my living room rug. Oh, my God. It's very exciting. I fell asleep. I sp- you okay. didn't say a, like an interesting one so it's it's a great one oh it's 100 percent wool like linen can fall on his head basically and he's fine because it's super thick and it's natural fibers and it like liquids but it like eats up my vacuum machines and you're gonna give me a two so i should probably like find a different answer but i just like scrubbed my vacuum machine because all these like little hairs are like being sucked up every time I vacuum and it jams them all up and it's really frustrating, but I love the rug. So yeah, I know you're asleep. <laughs> but if- did you, did you listen to Eric Friesen's? No, I didn't. Reviewing. I? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, now I, I just- plan to, I, we have this uh 35 hour road trip coming up, so yeah. I'll, I'll definitely listen to it on, on that. But man, I just came from like a, with Eric, it was like the, 
dizzying heights of like this amazing random review answer and your living room rug didn't really live up to that yeah um yeah i don't i don't know what else to that's super interesting that you kind of like your living room rug but it's a pain to vacuum you don't have to lie it's not interesting (laughs) not to you at least we'll give you a one and a half on that because i'm i'm so bored what if I start over with my Hawaiian dress? I'm not, I'm leaving in the rug. And even though people are now are like, well, we know who the most boring reviewer at Blister is, but let's see if you can redeem with whatever you have to say about some Hawaiian dress. Okay, so the ruffles are amazing, even though I was given a size too large, but it's still poofy. <laughs> and like, I could be that Copacabana girl with a big fruit hat on for Halloween because I love Halloween. So this dress is going to stay with me forever. And Pat has a matching shirt and Linda has a matching shirt as well. But when you wash it, you have to iron it because it's a ton of wrinkles. And with all those ruffles, it's really hard to, to iron. But it's a great color and it's nice fabric and it is very poofy and ruffly. You have to remind me to include this picture. And if you do, then we'll we'll bump this up to a two and a half. That's still not that great. No, no, an answer, a picture but... of me in the ruffly Hawaiian dress yeah. deserves a little more than two and a half. If I'm really? only getting a two and a half, then I'm not doing the photo. What do you need to to include the photo? Uh, Three. Five. Four and a half. We'll compromise. Okay. We'll somehow. round up. This might be our last question. What's the best question I haven't asked you? Have you ever been on a game show? Oh my God. You're right. That's the best question I haven't asked you. Go on. So the answer is yes. I was Say on more. Family Feud a decade ago. So there we go, dating myself again. Although kids probably are on Family Feud every now and then. Um, yeah, it was amazing. It was so fun. And we got sucked into it uh, by not yeah, having- Yeah, more, say more about this. You have been on Family Feud. Yes, so we've been on Family uh, Feud. Um, I think it, I can tell the background story and how we got there. We were up my- in-laws and I were up in Whistler watching the Olympics in 2010. And we it was near the end of the Olympics. It was my brother-in-law, husband, and my mother-in-law waiting to get into this Irish pub. Eventually got in and we had this like booth against a wall. And we were ordering uh, poutine and stuff like that and beer. And behind us was this older couple that had this huge table. They're like, oh, why don't we switch? So we switched. And then we got the poutine, which they'd never had. So they joined us and we got to drinking and enjoying their company. And I don't think they might not have drank as much as us, but eventually the woman turned to us and said, how would you guys like to be on Family Feud? And I put my hand behind my back and buzzed the table and said, yes. Oh man. <laughs> yes, I'd love to be on Family Feud. <laughs> that was, na- you nailed that moment. <laughs> yep. Um, my mother-in-law thought it was a hoax for, well, I think until we showed up at the studio, like six months later. Um, who was this person? She was a talent host for, uh, she was an executive director. So once she asked this question, she said, okay, game show rules. I have to remove myself from the situation. Now we're going to go to another table, but here's my contact information. Reach out to me if this is something you want to be in, if you're interested in. So I gave, made sure Pat had that, not my mother-in-law, who still thought, I was like, who comes up with an at familyfeud.com email address, right? So I was like, this is not a hoax. This is legit. They had us send in videos of ourselves just so the other producers could see if we were interesting enough. And despite my brother-in-law doing, I think, a roller ski video to get 
for his seg segment, they still opted us, um, opted to fly us down to Universal Studios in Florida and put us up for a couple nights. And yeah, we had an amazing time, even in Orlando in July. And it was Steve Harvey's first year hosting. And he is hilarious, a little raunchy, but hilarious. They cut all the raunchy out of the, the, for the actual shows, but. You're saying Steve Harvey is too raunchy? Well, not too this raunchy. This kind of now you've, makes you sound real square. So let's just say he asked my brother-in-law what he did for a profession. And we were not a typical family on Family Feud because my brother-in-law was uh, a professional Nordic ski racer. I think he and my sister-in-law were still living at home after college. And granted, it's a big house and they were skiing and doing all sorts of different stuff. So it was just not your average answers from us. But he's like, oh, so double pulling. And so Steve Harvey, like double pole hip thrusts, like across the stage during the introduction. So he, yeah, he definitely, he goes off on tangents sometimes. <laughs> so do you. Uh, yes. I don't know if I should ask. I I imagine video footage of your Family Feud appearance still exists. Yes. Do we do we well, want to embed this in the the show notes to this? Or no, I think just... people have to search for it because I think if it's embedded, maybe uh, YouTube will kick us off because they threatened to at one point. Uh, just for because so we like taped it and then put it up in sections and different parts for the different episodes we were on. Uh, so yeah, if you search Sanat FF for Family Feud, you'd be able to find it. There you go. If people are really bored. Well, it's so funny. Really so Family Feud, right? They do a bunch of reruns. So for years after this, we would get messages like on Facebook saying, hey, was that you on Family Feud? I just saw you. And we're like, yep, must be rerunning on TBS or whatever it is. So like Pat's elementary school teacher reached out to him and yeah, just random friends from years ago. But it was one of the most fun times I think any of us had had like when you see people clapping like doing the stupid family feud like clapping it's they're not faking it it's like you get in like the moment you're like yeah high five let's do this so it's uh if you ever get the opportunity say yes okay you know I feel like we're we're at the end of our conversation and I like to you know really feel like we've given our audience a good sense of who you know you are and I do think, I think we've done well here, except we probably did not spend enough time talking about dance videos. And so maybe we should just spend a minute or two on that. Your, um, your love of dance vi videos, the fact that this was at least or used to be an annual thing. But let's, I don't know, let's talk a little bit about that, how the dance, the annual dance video thing got to be a thing. Okay, so... The the origin story of the dance video. The, that's what. You, thank you. I'm looking for the word the origin. And you story. might you might not actually know the origin. So again, really good group of friends. And at Ski Santa Fe, you can skin up any time of you know preseason, postseason, during the season, whatever. So I was with you, and we skied up, skinned up. It was like after my big bronchitis issues were happening skinned up and we met a ton of people at the top that were friends and Mikey Thurber had a little stereo with him and everybody gathered around it and we're dancing I was like this is so fun look how everybody's just like letting loose and just like just really I don't know like a fun time for everyone so it's like I want to do that with our group because we that was a, a fun group but it wasn't our, our yeah. group of friends 
So then um, coming back from Denver one day, I was like, oh, man, I, I'm going to start texting my girlfriend and seeing if they're, they'd be down to dance uh, like all throughout the season. So we started super early the first year um, for snow at Wolf Creek. We were out there and everybody, for some reason, I'm like, I'm videoing. Can you guys dance music or not? People will bust out the moves. And so if you ever watch these, you're like, you're like that's a really bad dancer. There might not be music when they're dancing. So, you know. Go don't huh. judge too harshly on some of those moves. But and then it just um like we did the red carpet premiere, which was super fun to get everybody together. And it just became this um like scrapbook or uh video documentary of our season, which just oh man, just makes me smile so much. So we we did it two years in a row. And then the third year was Lyndon's when Lyndon was born, so I did not get to be out there filming as much. So yeah. I have footage from that year and this year, which uh, was you know COVID cut short. So I'm hoping to put that together for the part three of this dancer skis off. So watch dancer out, it might come out. <laughs> might come out. Okay, yeah. I didn't realize I was part of the origin story. But it, it is super fun. And the worst part about making them is editing them. And when I start playing the video and I just hear my voice saying, can you guys dance, please? Will you guys dance? And I heard that so many times. It was so obnoxious. And I'm sure every all of my friends also heard that so often that it was super obnoxious. But they still dance. So yay, friends. So, We're pretty good. You're yeah. lucky to have us. Oh, definitely. Well, that was kind of a two-part last answer. I think that was pretty good. I'm going to give you an eight on that. Really? An eight on Family Feud and dance videos? Yeah. I think I deserve a nine. Nah, eight. I mean, you're, you're the judge. Fine. That's right. Oh, hey, and before I let you go, we do have to do our what we're celebrating this week segment, right? So, Kristen, why don't you kick us off? What do you have this week? Okay, I have two things. Um, one is... <laughs> This little video that a friend shared today uh, called Gaston's Garden. It's five minutes long. It's like this guy filmed it in his backyard. It's really well done, but it's perfect for Lyndon. It's super cute. He's way into Sesame Street right now. Um, so it's really refreshing to watch Gaston, the French cat, go around his backyard and learn all about bees and stuff like that. It's cute. It's five minutes. It was really fun. And he's doing multiple episodes. So yay. That was not Elmo. So Yay, it was not Elmo. Okay. Yes. Fortu- not that I'm against Elmo because he eats better than Cookie Monster, which is what Linda oh, is yeah. currently That's working true. on right now. That's true. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. That was a random one. Fortunately for you, we're not grading the what we're celebrating. You said ketchup last time I talked to you. So I think Gaston's Garden is a little better than that. By the way, you got me ketchup as like a little gift. Yes. And I tried it. Mm-hmm. It's and? It's good. What is, is it better than Hunt's? No. No. Ugh. Because the Hunt's is, there's a nice thickness to it. Whereas. It's like red duck or something. Oh yeah. Like red duck or something. It's like fancy ketchup. And it almost, it has like a marinara consistency to it, which I could see a lot of people being into. But I'm like, I, you know, my whole thing on the last front was some of these like non corn syrup having ones seemed a little like watered down. So what you got one, thank you very much for the gift was like the high end fancy, nice version, but it kind of like a marinara sauce. That's my review of the duck. I'm going to bring you tomato paste next time and see what you think. <laughs> okay. 
do you want to do your other what we're celebrating this week? Uh, sure. So my husband, well, my husband, son, and I are all planning to go on a road trip. So I'm celebrating the fact that we have a camper here that is my uncle and my aunts, and they're letting us drive it across country. So we're not having to battle the airlines or uh, we're going to be all self-contained and we're really excited. Look at something to look forward to this summer. Yeah. Even though like we're planning to first stop will be outside of Bentonville and looking at the forecasts like 93 degree high with I don't know, 100% humidity. So that should be a fun bike ride. But <laughs> yeah, and then we get to stop and say hi to Josh and Ginger, uh, some friends, mutual friends of ours in Kentucky on the way. So it's going to be 35 hours in a camper uh, with my son. But having the opportunity to do it, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, don't have to go to rest areas and stuff like that. So we're all self-contained. And I'm not jealous of the 35 hours. I am extremely jealous that you're going to be seeing Josh and Ginger. Yeah, I'm excited about that. It should be in a few, like Monday, I guess, we're hoping to see him. But and then we'll get to see my aunt and uncle uh, and drop the van off with him. So it's just really nice of them to to let us uh, borrow it for that. So I'm pretty excited. I get to see my parents and brother. So. Yeah. Well, I always like to say what I'm going to raise my glass to before I do mine. This week, actually, this what I'm drinking now is directly a result to a late night conversation I had with Sasha and Simon last night, who introduced me to the drink called a BLT, which I'd never heard of and definitely never had, which I guess is like whiskey, lemon, and club soda. So right now in my hand, what I have- WLC is a BLT? Maybe it's bourbon- lemon and club soda but i was like well i don't know they just put me onto this and i was like i have never in my life tonic maybe tonic not tonic lemon tonic i don't know that would be a blt you're ruining my you're ruining my thing i'm (laughs) gonna deduct more points from you for the interruptions this is kind of half-baked i don't actually know what a blt is i'm not 100 percent certain that simon and sasha know what a blt is but what i did was i looked in my fridge and i had club soda and i had 10-year-old whistle pig. And so I mixed them. I did not have a lemon. So I just am trying club soda and whiskey. But it's kind of in honor of Sasha and Simon, but it's a little bit, it's not exactly what they were talking about. So you just threw a couple random things together. Yeah. And you're drinking. Yeah. That's a good celebration. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I'm sure that's not a BLT because there's nothing B, L, or T in that. It's maybe fair. We'll have to look into this uh, more closely, but... um. I was in a little bit of a hurry. So anyway, I've got like four things I'm celebrating this week in no particular order. One, I'm celebrating your friend, in this case, you, sending me a photo of a half-empty salsa jar that I actually am, there's a photo of me on the back of skiing, (laughs) right? So that happened the other day. Yeah, that was very exciting. So this turns... You're, you're welcome. It turns out this is like, I guess, your favorite salsa, and you just bought it like you normally do, but there happened to be a photo of me on the back of it skiing? Yes, as an ad. Yeah, it's 505 Salsa. It's the best. As uh, you know, I don't like cilantro or onions, and this brand does not put it in their salsa. So, And it's very hard to find salsas like that. Yeah. So anyway, apparently... This is the sign I've arrived in life. I've made it onto the back of a salsa jar 
which I wouldn't have known about unless you shared this with me. So, which I just picked up two more of those salsas uh, in town, and you were not. On oh, them. that's like the those are the not good. Those are the. But you're on you're on the honey chipotle flavored. Really? Which is kind of exciting. Yeah. Is that the one you showed me, or is that a different one? Yeah. Okay. No, that's the one. Okay. I'm also celebrating friends. We just had you and Pat and Lyndon and a number of people kind of rolling in from different elements of my life were just kind of giving me a last minute heads up that they were in Crested Butte or headed that way. So got to see some people that I hadn't seen in a while. That was great. I'm celebrating big rides. Sunday, road, Doctors Park, no shuttle. That's the purest way. That was good times. Got out there with Jess Smith. Jess is faster than me. Actually, probably both up and down. Lastly, you've mentioned this a couple times in the podcast here, cows. I am celebrating cows. I'm absolutely delighted. My backyard backs up to this like ranch land kind of thing. I hung out with cows a whole bunch today. And uh, we're, we're getting to know each other. It's a good bonding. It's a good bonding going on with the cows. I think you should just hang out in your bathtub and open the window. And then you could like, you know, it's real close. I have a bathtub that's very close to like large cows heads. Uh, Like that one cow is definitely named Tom for being a peeping Tom because he was looking in there pretty. So I'm psyched on this. It's great. Cows are cool. Anyway, that's what I've got. Those are my four. That is this week's what we're celebrating. As always, I never tally up the answer right now, so I will do that, you know, later. But I think you did, you know, it was a, it was, I'd say, a somewhere between tolerable and good. I think is what we, well, yeah, thanks. I think that's what I think that's what the numbers are going to sort of come to to show us here. So, just my, you know, quick assessment. You survived it. I hope uh, I'm still alive. And yeah, well, we appreciate all you do around here and you've been doing more and more. And like I said, I mean, you and I have been working on uh, some things that uh, really kind of not very many people at all know about yet, but hopefully they will sometime soon. Sounds good. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Well, that's it for this edition of Gear 30. And now as for Kristen's score, well, it turns out that it would definitely have benefited Kristen to have Luke Kappa be in on this conversation because according to my calculations, Kristen ended up with a score of 100, which actually sounds terrific, except that there were 16 questions, which might mean that she may have just received the lowest score ever in our Reviewing the Reviewer series. And it also might mean that she won't ever talk to me again. But then again... I just want to say that one of the really terrific things about Kristen that didn't really come up in our conversation is that she is a very, very forgiving person. So, you know, Kristen, I just want to say thank you so much for just being so forgiving and charitable and understanding. It's really big of you. It's a wonderful quality of yours. Anyway, I also want to say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. And of course, if you are enjoying these Gear 30 episodes and any of our other podcasts, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a nice little rating or review in iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts. I wonder when we can stop saying iTunes. Does everybody know it's now just called Apple Podcasts? 
pretty soon, I think. Thanks, everybody, and from all of us here in the Gunnison Valley, please be safe out there. Please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again next week.